Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop. That song clearly is from a different era. Mistletoe, you can't do that anymore. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stauffer, Brendan Escott joining you. Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. 99.90 Jasper Avenue, Roos Chris in Edmonton, the 99th, Roos Chris Open. Tell Brendan, Taylor, and Chris that Oilers now sent you. Again, open uh, Wednesday through Sunday, 5 till 10 p.m. As we go off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, and we are joined by Sportsnet color analyst Louis DeBrus, brought to you by GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972, gcldiesel.com. Hello, Louis. How are you doing? Bob, how you doing today? I'm doing fine. Good. Uh, Well, you know, just uh, we thought today, you know, we were going to be in San Jose. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, when did you get back on, uh, because you you stayed and did the... uh, the, the post game on Sportsnet on Saturday night with Scott Oak. When did you get home on Sunday? Uh, early evening. Early yeah, evening. I flew a little bit later and came in around uh, supper time, 6 o'clock. When you got your test done down, down there, were you a little nervous? <laughs> no, because I didn't have to get it because it was 72 hours. Oh, so you were able yeah, to use so, the one that we had. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the one we took before we left. So that, that always is a little bit of a concern when you have to go get another test somewhere else, which we haven't had to do yet. Well, we did have uh, to do We did have to do it, as you know. Well, so, you, but I'm saying done as a team. I'm saying on my own. I haven't yeah. had to go out and get a test on my own yet to get back across the border. That just hasn't happened this year. I'm sure down the road it's probably going to happen. But I know a lot of people that have had to do that in our our uh, world. And, you know, it's always kind of a little bit, are you going to be stuck there for two weeks or are you going to be able to come home? But so far it hasn't been uh, too bad, I guess, throughout. But uh it's always a concern. Oh, it's. I mean, these are these are challenging times, and I mean, I really, I really think you know, we all have, and there's some strong, and trust me, strong opinions out there on uh, on the pandemic, uh, just mm-hmm. like there's strong opinions on the hockey team, and, and I, I will tell you, I'm concerned about the mental health of people, and I even worry about the mental health of players, and I think it got to some of the guys in the bubble, uh, more specific in the bubbles of 2020 than maybe last season because there was a little bit more flexibility. Was this a stressful time of year for players, Christmas, because there was family coming in and then some guys don't have families and then you have guys, you know, guys from Europe that don't have any, like, take us through that as a former player. What was that like? It's a good question. I think that every year is different because you don't really know how much time you're going to have respectively each year, but um, it's certainly more stressful this year because of the travel 
um, regulations. And you know what? Listen, uh, getting across the border is not that easy. So traveling to and from um, certainly weighs on your mind if you're going to have family come in and stay with you. There's all these protocols and always, obviously always a concern that, you know, something, you know, could happen as far as COVID is concerned. That's just the world we live in right now. I think most people are comfortable living in that world right now. We've kind of lived with it for a couple of years now. But at the same time, you never want to take anybody out of work or take yourself out of work if you can you know, prevent that. So I, I think that there's probably more stress this year, more so than ever, just because of the fact that um, there are stipulations. But listen, Christmas time is a, a special time too. It's a great time to be with your family. I think everybody would agree to that, that it's a little bit of time off, spend with the family, um, regroup, reset, and get ready for the second half of the season. I mean, that's the way I always treated it. It was kind of, it's not really the halfway point, but it's pretty close and you kind of look at it as okay this is your little reset relax see family and then get right back after it but uh yeah you know there's not a whole lot of time i mean the, the scheduling in the last few years especially there's three days off of christmas typically so it's not a lot of time uh louis DeBras joining us from nhl hockey and rogers was there a tradition of the older veterans looking sort of after the younger single guys that maybe don't have uh uh, wives or, or or don't have families and, and inviting them and being a part of their Christmas? Did that happen to you when you played here? Yeah, you know what? <clears throat> Excuse me. It's, um, Thanksgiving typically was more for that. Okay. But uh, Christmas time, you know what? Sure. I mean, the young guys would stick together. I remember my first Christmas. It's funny. I was just talking about this with Cindy the other day. Uh, first Christmas away, Scott Thornton and I were in a hotel in Cape Breton because the weather was so bad that nobody really wanted a chance traveling out of Cape Breton to go to Ontario even or, and come in from Ontario to Cape Breton. So we just shacked up in a hotel for three, four days and rented like 20 VHS tapes back then. We had a VCR in the room and we just, we had a total movie fest. <laughs> and that was kind of our Christmas, but you know, you make do, right? You do what you do. And, uh, you know, we brought out all the classics at that time. I'm sure the list would be a lot different in movies 30 years later. But you know, it was uh, that's kind of how we got through it. And unfortunately, that's just that's part of it too. Uh, weather is a big big factor in travel this time of year, and especially in North America, you have to be really aware of that. What was it like playing in the Cape? You know, the people were the people were amazing. You know, the, I, I've always said that. You know, the people in Cape Breton were just you know salt of the earth people. I, I remember walking up to the street the first day and. You know, it's a four-lane road, and you walk up there, and everybody just stopped. There's no crosswalk, no nothing. Everybody just stopped to let you walk across, and you're like, what are these people stopping for? <laughs> now, I come from New York, like, literally not that long before that, so in New York, nobody was stopping for you. But in Cape Breton, they stopped for you, and uh, just I, I just thought people were really genuine. The fans were great. But, uh, you know what, we flew a lot of those Dash 8s, a lot of weather, a lot of, uh, you know, ups and downs, and I remember some of the flights we had on that going to St. John's, coming into Cape Breton, um, you know, it was, you know, hold on because it was, if you didn't like flying very much or you were a nervous flyer, that, that's not a good place for you. But it kind of seasoned me, I think, for the, the remainder of my career up until now. Yeah, those Dash 8s, man, they could be, you'd feel it. Any sort of little warble, you'd end up feeling it. Was, it was like a roller coaster ride. It, you know what? We, that was back when, you know, you could show up to your flight 15 minutes before it left, stuff your bag through the, you know, there was no x-rays or anything like that. They just yeah. let you go through it pretty much anything. You step on the plane, you take off. It was much, much different travel. But, yeah, you know what? They're effective planes, though. That's how they, that's how they get around. Louis DeBrus from NHL Hockey on Rogers joining us for GCL Diesel. Speaking of Scott Thornton, if you watch uh, his fight tapes, you know, the, go on YouTube and watch his fights, man, 
something was happening, and either he was leaking or somebody else was leaking. <laughs> he threw from downtown, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Every fight he was in was like he was, he was fighting for his life. And, you know, he just had those sharp knuckles. I always say that. He had those kind of cut knuckles. Certain guys had clubs for fists. That was probably me, more, more so for me. And other guys had those real sharp knuckles that if they caught you the right way, they were opening you up, no question. And he was one of those guys. He had really sharp knuckles. He wasn't a small guy either. He was a big guy. He could throw him. Very underrated, I think, as far as a tough guy. But a good player, too. But when need be, he could snap with the best of them. And I, I remember the first fight, you know, we came in, both him and I, at the same time with Edmonton. We played 15 games. You know, I think in a row, I think I ended up playing 25 that first year in Edmonton. And in those first 15 games, I think him and I fought like 10 times. And I remember the one fight that he had with uh, Gerald Diddick in Vancouver. It was right in front of our bench. And it was literally just a punch in the face contest. It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. I still always flash back to that fight because it was just so close to the bench. And you could hear, feel, <laughs> you know, every single shot that was taken. But... Both of them were pretty pretty good after it and kept going. It's just the way it was. You know, what's interesting with Thornton is he wasn't a big goal scorer. And then late in his career, like at 31 or 32 or 33, he scored like 26 goals one season for San Jose. Yeah, you know, I think he really just confidence, right? You, you, you get a different uh, situation, different environment. I do remember him telling me that going to the Dallas Stars, you know, it was a real big step up for him, and just you know, they were Stanley Cup winning team along that along that, uh, that around that time in '99, and he just said just the way they play, the way they snap the puck around. I always remember him telling me how hard they pass the puck, and that's something that uh, you know, you and I have spoken with Dave Tippett about just yes. how you know when players come up and they're zipping that puck tape to tape, it's like bang, it's on the tape. There's no question. Duncan Keith. Watch him snap that puck around. Um, it's just, you know, it's just the way you play. And if everybody's playing that way, it just makes you that much more of an efficient team. The puck moves that much quicker. It's tape to tape. It's harder to pick off. And uh, I think that really carried him forward through his career, having that playoff experience that year. They lost, but, you know, I think carrying forward just allowed him to have a uh, more confidence in his career. And he started to play probably up to what, you know, he probably felt he should be playing, being a high pick early on. He had to kind of live up to that expectation throughout his career, but almost played a thousand games. It wasn't for injuries; he would have played well over a thousand. Yeah, he got over nine hundred games in. I mean, nine hundred forty-one yeah. games, third overall pick in the nineteen eighty-nine I mean, draft by the Maple Leafs. Shoulders, you know, his shoulders are—he's still getting surgery on his shoulders right now. So, uh, yeah. But he—he he was a—I mean, he was a pretty decent power forward for the San Jose Sharks in his late twenties, early thirties. We're joined by uh, Louis DeBras. Louis, Ken Holland was on yesterday's show. Uh, I asked him if the victory in Seattle was the Oilers' most impressive game of the year, considering all the factors. You know, losing Pulleyarvey, not having Nugent Hopkins or McLeod or Shore, so four forwards down, not having Duncan Keith, not having had Mike Smith all year, and and he felt that you know out shooting Seattle forty-one seventeen. He thought that might be their best game of the year. You worked that game. What'd you think? about it was guys stepping up you know Warren Fogel stepped up in the last couple games that he played um got a little bit more of an opportunity obviously with Zach Hyman out Ryan Nugent Hopkins out guys had to jump up in the lineup Brendan Perlini stepped up in the lineup and had a couple real good games I think you know that's kind of what the team has been looking for all year long and it's now listen it's it's easier said than done but when you can have that depth in your scoring and guys playing confident and guys that can intermix and you know for Dave Tippett and the coaching staff right now it allows them to, to have that much more versatility. Now that they know they can shuffle guys around, that maybe makes them even deeper if they go up against a very deep team down the middle. They can spread the wealth out and 
it just it opened up opens up some doors for me. But again, I think that sometimes, and I remember a game in junior I played. I was playing with the London Knights, and we were decimated by injuries. We were decimated by, I believe, flu and sickness in our team. And we dressed against the Sudbury Wolves in Sudbury. It was the last game of our road trip, and we had I think two lines and an extra forward. And I think four or five defensemen. We were really depleted, and uh, we went out there and beat them three nothing. And uh, I always remember because I scored a goal in that game. But I always remember we were, we were going into the third period. We were saying, you know, we're not going to let them see that wolf, <laughs> you know, because they had a wolf that they sent out every time they scored a goal that would come out across the ice and it would howl the Sudbury Wolves. And okay, oh, yeah, an actual live wolf. It was an actual stuffed timber wolf. Yeah, a yeah. stuffed timber, not a not an actual live. Well, it was a it was a taxidermied wolf. It was a giant wolf. It was, yeah, and it would come down from the corner on a cable and it would fly across the ice, and uh, you know they would howl in the building like the Sudbury wolves. So we our goal was to say, listen, we're not going to allow that wolf to come out tonight. We're not we're, they're not going to see the wolf tonight at all. And we ended up shutting them out. And another reason I remember it is because uh, Bob McKenzie was doing the color on uh, TSN that night in that game. So it was a big game for us being on TSN, and we all buckled down. But sometimes the reason I'm bringing up the story is I remember before that game, we knew it was going to be a tough game because we were depleted so much from, from how many guys we only had dressing. But we you know, we just buckled down, and you, you simplify. You really do. You come in there, and your expectations are lowered a bit. You relax a bit, and you just play hard. And you know that all you have to do is go out there and try and play a sound, smart game. And I think that's, again what uh, Edmonton did in Seattle. I thought they came together as a team. I thought guys stepped up in the right situation. And um, you know what? Listen, they won a game, important game, a couple games after a six-game losing streak to win two games before this is kind of shut down and a little bit of a break for Christmas, I think was really vital and important for Edmonton just to get back in the winning ways. Louis, do you think they still do that, Wolf, anymore? I don't think they do. Somebody would I'm not be. Sure. I, you know what? I'm not sure if they do anymore, but... Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you, it was pretty cool. You know, I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> you know, see that thing come down. But you know, we were we were of the mindset that we weren't gonna allow it to be seen that night because we knew we were depleted and we had to hang on and we ended up hanging on and and uh, winning that game three nothing, I believe. But uh, I the other reason I remember it is because I was Dan LeBlanc who was a veteran player on our team and he was from the Maritimes and he uh, we went to a little coffee shop right beside the hotel and it was the first time that I got introduced to drinking half a pot of coffee before a game. So I was a little fired up in that one. But uh, you know, we, we were doing everything just to try and you know, make sure we had the energy. I think we played three and four nights, and that was our fourth game. And uh, we ended up winning. So sometimes, you know, in real adverse conditions, you just you, you come together even more. And I like what Glenn Gullitson and Jim Playfair also said about that, you know, coming together as a coaching staff with Dave Tippett out with COVID. They said, listen, we're all kind of approaching this like we're all in this together. And it, it, sometimes that can, that can bond you, can bring you together even tighter. Yeah, we're joined by Louis DeBras. By the way, Louis, uh, you know the stories of Glenn Sather serving opposition teams only decaffeinated coffee in their dress rooms i had heard some of the rumors i had heard some of the rumors that uh that potentially might be the situation but uh i don't know sometimes with caffeine it's it's one of those things that's it's a catch-22 like for my role as a physical tough guy um i remember having this conversation with barry stafford actually you know back in the day i don't know why it sticks in my head that way but you know we were talking about dave brown you know you're 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 a fired up guy and you're you're expected to go out there and be physical and fight it's okay to be wired pretty tight but if you're uh, you know connor mcdavid or leon dreisaitl you don't want to have the jitters going into a game you know you want to be relaxed i don't know that sounds crazy you have to be in you know obviously 
on top of your game. You have to be assertive, but at the same time, when it comes down to making those quick little decisions and those subtle little plays, if you're shaking and holding onto the stick because you're so fired up on caffeine, sometimes that can have a detrimental effect on you. So it's a real fine line. I used to think that that one, two cups before a game was kind of perfect for me, but if you drank too much, sometimes you got a little bit too wired. And like I said, for me, I could go and burn that off just being physical and running around. But if you're trying to stick handle a puck in a phone booth like the Stars do today, that could be a problem. I know that, uh, and we have not been in the dressing rooms for the last two seasons, but starting around 12, 13, 13, 14, 14, 15, if you looked inside the little area where all the drinks are, most teams on the road would have Red Bull uh, there, and they've moved away from a bit of that. And I just remember... We were hosting the University Cup at the University of Alberta, and Red Bull has, what do they call that, gonzo uh, marketing or whatever. Uh, There's a term for the type of marketing that they do, and they would just show up at events without actually being invited to the events. And uh, guerrilla marketing, that's what it is. And they, so the Bears are playing in the University Cup final, and the doors open, and two of the Red Bull girls went walking right in there with the, you know, the ones that, that would shoot out of their uh, backs, like the, they'd shoot the Red Bulls out. Yeah. And, and the guys were like, "What are you guys doing? Get out of our room!" Like, you know, like, but <laughs> it's just kind of, it's just kind of, but you know, it, and there has been because it was coffee when you played, but now a lot of guys get fueled up. Uh, the healthy guys all have those blended drinks that they do. There's still some old school guys that crank out. <laughs> might might be a couple of Eastern Europeans that might deploy the old Red Bull, if you know what I'm saying. Well, you know what? Like th- later in my career, we had the ultimate orange came out in ephedrine drinks. You know, it was really it was really big coming through the league where, you know, drinks that had ephedrine, caffeine, and all the, the mixture of all those kind of like hydroxy cut. I don't know if you remember that was one of the big, you know, fitness things about getting lean and getting energy. And let's face it. Again, there's a real fine line between taking something like that and getting the benefits out of it and taking too much of it and really feeling the effects of it in a negative way. And I felt that when I tried that ultimate orange. Remember Jim Cummins in Phoenix one night handed me this bottle and said it was a back-to-back. We were a little tired. He said, drink this ultimate orange. And I drank this, and I'm telling you, it was, for me, I was always really sensitive to that stuff, and I could just feel my heart was racing and pounding. And, you know, no wonder I went out there and tried to get in a fight right away. I said, I need, need to burn some of this energy off but i got away from that because i didn't like the way it made me feel you know that was just me and same thing with hydroxic got same thing you know me same thing with red bull or rockstar i just stay away from that stuff because i find it really affects me and i tried red bull one day and i got a headache immediately so some people can do it some people can i think it's just a matter of you know obviously making sure you're not taking too much of it and and making sure that you can deal with it when you do it. But it's certainly there. I think players are always looking for a little bit of an advantage, a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of a pepper jump, as long as it's within the guidelines and the rules of the league being able to take. I know Ephedrin isn't obviously anymore, but I know there's a lot more stipulations with the players today. And I think they're all kind of on that natural kick, you know. Um, I just don't see the guys drinking coffee as much. They're usually drinking tea. I mean, they're just superior athletes now. No and question. Specimens now because they just put so much time and effort into it. You know, we were learning on the fly and we just kind of did what worked for us. But now with nutrition and the way it's gained popularity and just training and this, all aspects of it, I think players now are they're experimenting. They're trying different things to get the absolute optimum out of their body and minds. And I'll tell you, it shows on the ice. Final one for you, Louie, and we are going to open up the phone lines at 105 today on the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. And you can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, same number, 780-496-0063. Your general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, 
What position do you need to improve? Goal, and again, you, maybe you don't know what you got because we haven't seen Mike Smith play. Um, defense, lots of left shot prospects coming, or forward. Uh, so, and and I, I, I'm the caveat is you're prepared to potentially move your number one. What area do you think you need to address if you're Edmonton? I just think when you look at how decimated they were in the back end, and guys stepped up and did an admirable job, but they lost six in a row. I mean, when you're when your back end's um, broken up and you don't have your your top players, and that to me really I think was a glaring message that you just can't be too deep at defense. So defense is always one for me. I think any team would would tell you that even if you're loaded in defense. Get another one because you never know how much you're going to need down the stretch and into the playoffs. I think that those players become so crucial down the lineup that if if you have injuries, guys that can step in and fill in. And and I think the one good thing about the adversity Edmonton's gone through is they've been able to look at some players. And you know, like a guy like Marcus Niemelainen that came in, and we all kind of were like, "Wow, this guy's got some potential to really be a player in this league and a unique player." I think it just gave them a real good look see on what was going on. We got to see Philip Broberg for a few games, and you know, I think he's got a real bright future. But that would be the one area, Bob, just to answer your question. I think you can never be too solid in the back end. And, you know, then the other thing for me would be just depth forwards. I, I agree with you in the goaltending position right now. Stuart Skinner's come in and done enough for me to, to make me believe that this guy's going to be a goaltender in this league in the future. Maybe not right now with Koskinen and Mike Smith healthy. You have to give Mike Smith his due and see how he comes back yep. in because he's played so well for this team. And I think Koskinen, as much as I know he's taken a lot of heat, um, He's kind of held the fort once again for a team that, you know, has been beat up by injuries. So I'm willing to kind of let that go for right now. So I would say defense number one, just to have that depth. And of course, if you can go get a top four, then I'll go do it. I mean, they just don't grow on trees. But I think just that solid defending defenseman that's a veteran that you know you can put in any situation. And then depth down the lineup. I would say, you know, real um, solid third, fourth liners that are always so valuable once the grinding gets um, elevated down the stretch and in the playoffs. Great stuff, Louie. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Bob. Have a great uh, holiday week, and we'll see you next week. All right, there you go. That's Sportsnet Color Analyst Louie DeRuss, brought to you by GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972. GCLDiesel.com. We'll take a quick timeout. It's 12.56 in Edmonton. With Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. I've never heard this first. Wow. This is awesome. Is this like uh, BTO with a version of it? Randy Bachman. It's awesome. There you go. There you go. Well, hey, I mean, if Eileen thinks it's awesome, it's got to be awesome. I really like Randy Bachman. So. There you go. For you old school BTOers out there. Uh, Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott, Eileen's got a news update coming up at uh, 1 o'clock for you Oilers fans. April. That's when we're going to do our next Oilers Now Roadie with New West Travel, a four-night trip to Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. The Oilers and the Predators. Last time we were there, Leon Dreisaitl scored four goals. This package includes exclusive non-stop flight with Flair Airlines each way. Four nights in a deluxe hotel. Great game ticket. We'll have a welcome reception. You never know which special guests will show up. All for just $1,750. Join the Nashville road trip. You can call New West Travel, 780-432-7446 or go online at newwesttravel.com. 
Hodge says, if I was Dutch, is that what he's calling Ken Holland? The only way I'm in on Chikrin is if Koskinen is going back in the deal. That being said, I think the farm boys showed very well, and I'm confident the Oilers left shot D, says Hodge. My priorities would be finding a two-way third-line center who can push the play. Nuge, Bob, is not the answer at 3C. Then goaltending. I like what Skinner has shown, but the playoffs are not the place for a rookie tender, and Murphy's Law would guarantee an injury to Mike Smith. You can see the team has no faith in Miko to make the saves uh, that he has to make. Um, in play would be the first rounder, uh, Sam Rukov, and maybe Yamamoto, but term and manageable salary would have to be coming back uh, for the orders in either option. Happy holidays and stay safe. That one comes to us from Haji. We'll get your thoughts at 105 on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. Off to a global news weather traffic update, Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.